to us about humility and joy. Humility and joy. And we find we're going to be out of Luke, Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 15. Um, and there's a reason why I picked um, this scene, because it reflects on who we are. It reflects, and we're not the shepherd up there. We're the sheep. As Christians, we're the sheep. Brother Tim, I can't understand when it was ever the sheep was able to tell the shepherd what to do. (laughs) But the sheep were better off if they would listen to the shepherd. But we do live in an age right now that Oh my word, we, we get our feelings awful hurt really easy. And it's so hard to be a shepherd today to try to help people see what we need to be and to do to be sheep that we're supposed to be. So many times we rather act like goats. Think about that. What do goats like to do? They like to eat tin cans. Actually, they're eating the paper off the tin cans. They don't eat the tin cans. And they love to climb up and over things and get in all sorts of trouble. And they love to butt heads. Whack! They think that's so much fun. Whack! And you know what's so nice when a shepherd has some good sheepdogs? Because the shepherd doesn't have to try to straighten out the sheep so much or the goats. Because those sheepdogs, which are the elders, run around and they will bite them in the furlongs, in the fetters, in the neck or behind the leg. And they'll bite them there and say, knock it off. Behave like wild and woolly sheep. <laughs> Why are you sheep wanting to act like goats? And uh, um, the other thing about sheep, they're not too bright. Oh, what does that say about us? The more we listen to Jesus and let Jesus guide us, the more smart we are. But when we try to do it in our own strength and our own ability, we usually mess things up. Right? And none of us here are perfect, not even me. Um, Jason talked about there's days that we can be crabby. Oh, my word. Mm. There's days we can be crabby. But that's because we're a family. And families sometimes get crabby at each other. Oh, just ask Hal. <laughs> Hal is, Hal's life has always been so peaceful when it comes to family. But ask his siblings if that was really true. I'm not talking about him living with his darling daughter. He's got it so good there. She takes care of him, and her husband loves him, and the kid listens to Grandpa all the time. It was his siblings that gave him all the hard times. Right? And my word, if you want tranquility, go over to Jason's house. What a tranquil scene that is. Oh, but you say... I've been to his house and it's chaos, but for them that's tranquil. Because they realize they're just sheep. And sheep can be noisy. Not as noisy as cows. My word, try to, or geese. Try to sleep through the night around geese. Quack, 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 quack. Anyway, let's go to the next slide. 
Today we're going to light another candle, and this is the candle of joy. But it's also known as the shepherd's candle. And that's where I got my title, humility. A shepherd is usually a very humble job, right? And, um, but this candle talks about the joy we are to have. And because of the Christmas program tonight, I lost all my, my pulpit and everything to keep, so I found a place to hide this so Joshua didn't play with it. Because, um, you know, Joshua just wants to know how everything works. <laughs> and as I explained to you last week, Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. Hanukkah is not found in the Old Testament. Nowhere is Hanukkah mentioned in the Old Testament. Hanukkah, however, is mentioned in the New Testament. It's the only place where it's mentioned is in the New Testament. It's the Feast of Dedication. And Jesus went up to the temple to celebrate the Feast of Dedication. And the thing is, it's Hanukkah is really more about the end times than it is anything else. So why not Jesus celebrate that? You know? And one day the temple's going to be, and the, the altar is going to be rededicated in Jerusalem. In fact, just a month ago, I think it was a month ago, the Sanhedrin just rededicated the blocks, the, the stones for the altar of sacrifice. And so it's getting closer. In fact, the Sanhedrin has been pleading with the President of the United States to allow them, to give them permission to go ahead and build the new temple. Because they figure if the United States is behind them in the building, not just their own government, because they know as soon as they go, they build the new temple, World War III will break out. And they want to make sure their greatest allies with them. But you see, we're not their greatest ally. It's God. Because sometimes we forget he's the shepherd of the flock. Okay, let's look at the next slide. And let's look at the Word of God here. Um, I know that's, I wanted to get it all on one screen, so it is, it's tiny. But you got your Bibles. That's for the folks who forgot their Bibles this morning. Luke 2, starting in verse 7, says, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, and you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was, when the angel had gone away from them into heaven, 
that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much. There is so much here in this scripture that we, we usually just think this is the Christmas story. But Lord, there's more to it. Lord, as we sang to her today, Lord, help us to humble ourselves in your sight so that we can find your joy. And I thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts out of this word today. Lord, do a work in us. Lord, we anticipate you doing something in our lives today. And we praise you for it. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing that's here, that I feel here right now. And Lord, help me to speak only the words you'd have me to say. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead to the next slide. Who did God reveal that the Messiah had come into the world? Hmm? Humble shepherds. Oh, we've always heard of them as lowly shepherds. What does lowly mean? Humble. You know, this was a job most people did. Most people didn't grow up saying, I want to be a shepherd when I grow up. No. This was not a job that most people wanted to do, hanging out with a bunch of sheep. Now, as I preached a few years ago, we know that Jesus wasn't really born on December 25th. It was actually on Nisan 1, which a couple of years ago, that was April 1st. But, you know, the Hebrew calendar moves around all the time compared to our calendar. So it's not April 1st anymore. Jesus came in the spring. Why? Because that's when the shepherds were out in the fields watching their flocks by night. Hmm. That's when you had sheep born was in the springtime. If we were in Beulah, boy, oh boy, you see some of the, you see some of the ranchers disappear on church days some days because they're out helping calf the cows. Because, you know, you, you better make sure because that's your livelihood because that, that calf could grow up and bring you a few thousand dollars. One calf, you know, and, and so you're going to make sure that calf is born alive and you didn't lose the mama cow either. Bethlehem was also the region where all the lambs, all the sheep that were pure, without spot, without wrinkle, that were taken to Jerusalem and sacrificed. It was from Bethlehem. So where was the Lamb of God born? Bethlehem. But the ones he chose, he didn't go to the palace and say to Herod, hey, angels say, I got some good news for you. Herod did not see this as good news, did he? <laughs> he didn't go there. He didn't go to Rome and show up at the palace there. Hey, Caesar Augustus, guess what? I got some good news for you. Caesar would have said, get out of here. I'm God. Right. Exactly what he said. He didn't go to the priests or the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, because they should have known. 
Because like Jesus said, did you not read? In fact, when um, Herod died, all those scribes and priests that studied the Word of God to find out where the Messiah would be born, he had executed. Do you ever wonder why they didn't know that Jesus was around? Because, you know, those wise men came and they had to search the scripture and they found he was born in Bethlehem and it got the king all wigged out and he sent his army there and killed all the kids. And why didn't they remember? Because all the ones who knew this whole story, he had executed. Why? Because Herod knew nobody was going to grieve over him. Herod, instead of, you know, when Herod died, it was, ding dong, the king is dead, the king is dead. <laughs> you know, they acted like the wicked witch was dead, you know. So he wanted somebody to be mourned, so he, he had them wound, rounded up, put in a big cage there, and on his death, his guards were told to execute them all so that there would be weeping and wailing in Jerusalem over somebody because he knew nobody loved him. Well, you got to be, you know, that was just him. But what about us? Go ahead, change it. What about us today? This is a real problem in the church today. Where's our humility? And it kind of grieves me. Do you know that if you're not a, if you cannot be humble, that's a mental illness? In fact, if you can't be humble, you can't love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You see, if you love yourself without humility, what is that called? Narcissism. Because it's all about you. Like Toby Keith sang about a few years ago. You know. Where's our humility? Where's our falling on our knees? We can talk a lot about the past, can't we? Oh my word, we can talk really good about the past. Oh, I remember the days when blinded eyes were open and deaf ears were, open, were, were healed and limbs were grown out and bones were healed and cancer went away. I can remember going to services like that. Uh, and, and I remember those things. But what brought those things? Humility and prayer. My word, back in the day, you call for a prayer meeting, people showed up. And then because the prayer meeting wasn't enough, they would show up in the church at different hours and pray around the church, anointing everything. My word, they, they had more stock in Wesson oil than back in the day. I mean, they would paint everything with oil. <laughs> You know, remember how you, you know, everybody thought the, the pews were so shiny back in the day because somebody came in and used pine, you know, they went ahead and used pledge on them. No, it was all those ladies coming in and slapping the oil all over them. Hallelujah. But you call for a prayer meeting today and people are too busy and too proud to come and pray to the Almighty. Well, I can do that on my own in my own prayer closet. Yes, you can, but there's something about where two or three are gathered together in my name, Jesus says. I am in their midst. The only one that's in their prayer closet with you is you, yourself, and yourself, uh, me, myself, and I. And that's not what he's talking about. 
Well, I'm eating with the Lord there. There's two of us. That's not what he's talking about. We need that human connection to pray because when we pray together, asking anything in Jesus' name, it shall be done. So we can live in the past, we can talk about the joys of the past, but when we have, when we can come together and humble ourselves before the Lord and pray and beg God for revival, we need to come together and do that. Oh, the church is in such need of revival. My word. Most of the church don't even know what time we're living in. They don't even know that Jesus is coming soon. Most of the church doesn't know that, that if we don't have revival in this country, judgment is coming. Because you can't go ahead and do some of the sins that we've done since 1972 and God just wink at it. Come on. If God didn't spare judging Judah and Israel, why would we think that we would... If he's our loving heavenly father and Jesus is our good shepherd, why would we think that our heavenly father wouldn't punish us for doing wrong? Do we not do it to our own children? Jason was saying that, boy, Joshua got himself out of a lot of trouble because of how he responded to his mother's correction because Jason <laughs> was on his way. But the boy was brilliant enough to respond even though it's not the response that his mother expected, it, it, it saved him from his father's rebuke <laughs> for treating his mother's correction as trivial. And if we correct our own... And the only reason I tell you that because he shared that with us in Sunday school. <laughs> the only reason... That God corrects us is because he loves us. And, he's, and the church has gone to sleep. Look at 9-11. My word, revival should have came to the nation after 9-11. People should have been repenting and people should have been crying out to God and people should have been saying, Lord, save us. And for a few weeks, people showed up for church and then what happened? Everybody went back to sleep, including the church. Church is one about his own business. But where's our humility? Where's our falling down on our knees? Where's our begging? So this Thursday, we started, every Thursday when we come together for prayer meeting, we are going to start asking God, pleading with God to bring revival. It's the only thing that's going to change this country. Do you like the, how the country sounds right now? Oh my word, I don't care. You go on Facebook. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, blah. it's like everybody's, yeah. Yeah, you get on Twitter. <sighs> A person sinned 30 years ago and we destroy their lives even though they've changed. I'll give you a fair example. Everybody knew what Trump was. Everybody knew it. My word. He was a playboy, and everybody knew it. And it, while he was a playboy and he was out sinning, everybody loved him because he was partying with all the sinners. My word. He starts running for president. 
And the church says, oh my word, what are we going to get for a president? And then Christian pastors and leaders get around him. And Trump asks Jesus into his heart. And what happens when you ask Jesus into your heart? You become perfect? No, you just become forgiven. <laughs> and somebody, some prophet someplace had a vision the other day, and in their vision, Trump was just a baby. Why? Not that he's a big baby t using Twitter feed. No, because that's where he's at right now in his spiritual walk. He's a baby Christian. And he's done more to protect Christians around the world than our past presidents and some of them who have been great people of God. He ain't perfect. By far. And you know what? The only thing that's going to change the, the climate of our country is revival when the church gets revived and Jesus becomes important in our nation again. We've told Jesus, hey Jesus, you go over there. We like you, Jesus, but you go over there for now. Um, we're okay with Allah, and we're okay with Buddha, and we're okay with this, and we're okay with that. But Jesus, you go over there. Don't say a word against all those things, right? But don't you go ahead and say anything good about Jesus in the public square. What? We need revival. And Christians need to get back their backbone. I don't know why we're scared to stand up for ourselves. My word. I know Joanne told me a story about when this boy over here, I won't mention his name, but his initials are, never mind. <laughs> he was four years old and he was walking around the house like he owned it. She got her backbone up and said, boy, I'm in charge here and you're not. <laughs> She loves telling that story all the time in Sunday school. So that's why I didn't use your initials, Bobby. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that's right. I didn't use his initials. But boy, do we love you, bud. <sighs> He's so real and so relatable. Oh, my word. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and fall on their knees and turn from their wicked ways, God says. Then I will heal their land. Here's the other question I have. Do, what, stay there. Stay there. Do we... I, I, I made the motion. That's okay. Um, <laughs> do we fear the Lord? That's the last thing I need to talk about before we can move on. Then I can move on pretty quick. Do we fear the Lord anymore? My word, we've, we, we used to have fear of the Lord. And then we, 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 we calmed the word down because of our intellect. Oh, right, right. Because when it says fear of the Lord in the Bible, it's talking about how awesome he is. But Jesus used fear in a different way. Don't fear him who can kill you. Fear him who can destroy you in hell. Meaning God the Father sending you there. Wait a second. That's not just talking about how awesome God is. Do we have a, a respectable fear of God? Here's an example. 
We used to have these in our households. Dads used to be feared. I'll tell you why. Because as a baby boomer growing up, I would hear my mother and other mothers of my generation, I would hear them say, wait till your father got home. And that was the last thing you wanted to hear. Wait till your father gets home. Oh, my word. It was bad enough we were in trouble with mama. But we didn't want to be in trouble with dad. Because it had to be pretty bad for dad to get involved in that. We used to have a, and my word, you go to church with dad, you better behave yourself. So I remember one time we were in church as kids, my brother and sister and me, and uh, we were not on our best behavior. And who had to sit in our pew? Pastor's wife. Sister Lutz decided to sit with us that day, and we were not on our best behavior. We weren't that bad, but we were not on our best behavior. When we got home, there was a lineup of us at my, father's, my, my mother's and father's door, and we took our turns going in there, getting taught the rule of life. You misbehaved in God's house, now you're going to get punished in my house. We used to have a genuine, respectful fear. Now, we loved our, my, you know, we kids loved our dad. You know, he was cool. He taught us how to do woodworking. He taught us how to work on cars. He taught us how to fish. He taught us how to go camping. He taught us all the cool stuff, you know. What did mom get to do? Clean your room. <laughs> Make your bed. All the boring stuff. <sighs> but do we have a fear of our Heavenly Father? Go to our next slide. Who did God choose to be king of Israel? A shepherd boy. A worshiper. Are you starting to see the connections here? I mean, this shepherd boy grew up to be the greatest king Israel ever had was David. Oh my word, he knew the Lord so well because of his worshiping attitude and his humble spirit, God would give him the plans for how to defeat the enemy. And he didn't have time to be scared of that giant. He was disgusted with that giant because he made fun of his God and God's people. And David just realized he's just a sheep that God has used, that's chosen to be used by God to be his be his eyes and ears and hands and feet in this world. Mm. Who is the good... Go ahead to the next one. Who's the good shepherd? Jesus. Wait a second, he's a shepherd again. Well, he's the king of king and lord of lords. But we see him more as the humble shepherd. Jesus came to us in a humble birth. And why is he called the good shepherd? Hmm. I'm the good shepherd, Jesus said, because the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus even said, why does the Father love me? Because I willingly lay down my life for the sheep, and then I take it up again. 
Wow. Talking about the sovereignty of Christ. And, and, and I just have to say this because it was on Facebook yesterday. I wanted to call them all ignorant. But then I thought, wait a second, they're ignorant because they don't know. I said, will you people read the Bible? <sighs> the old lie about Mary not being a virgin is out there again. And, it, and some mainline churches are now preaching that was just a story. No virgin birth, no savior. And, and, and here's the kicker here, folks. I can prove to you why she had to be a virgin, but we accept everything in this Bible by faith. Do we not? And then this new disgusting one because some idiot professor sounding like a frat boy from back in the 70s who had too much to drink in the middle of the night said that God raped Mary. He didn't get her consent. What? That means you didn't read your Bible, sir. <laughs> Be it unto me, she said. Mary gave consent. The angel came and said, this is what's going to happen. Mary could have said no, but she said, okay. And then they go ahead. Well, she, then the next person says, well, she was only 12. Let's get the record straight. She was either 13 or 14, but it doesn't matter if she was 12 because they got married at 12 back then. Because pe most people lived only to 23, 25 years old. If you got into your 60s like, like Paul did, that's why they thought you were so wise because you lived so long. People didn't live that long, so you got married earlier. Besides, in, the, in families back then, Girls cost money. Boys were an investment. So if you married them off, well, you didn't have to feed them anymore. It's a terrible reality. And Jesus changed all that when he came. And he changed the way women are looked at. If you really read the scriptures. Joseph was about 18 years old. He had to work a whole year before he could marry her because he had to be found suitable. By whom? Mary's mom and his own mom. Oh, they let the dads think they were doing something by arranging the marriage. But, and, and they figured if the moms could get along, the kids could get along. That's how it worked in arranged marriages. And they went ahead and he had to work a whole year to get the house ready buy all the pots and pans, have all the furniture there. It's a good thing he was a carpenter. It made things a lot faster. And of course, then he had to have the wedding early. And then he was obedient to the Lord because he didn't touch her until after Jesus was born. And she went through her purification and Jesus was dedicated in the temple. Then Mary and Joseph, oh, can you imagine? That guy was a special guy. He had to wait until all that was done and then he could have his wedding night with his wife. Because we know that he had, they had three other boys, right? Or four other boys. There was James, there was Jude, there was Josie, Jos Josie, and I can't think if there was, an, and then there were sisters and they don't name them. I always forget that the Josie was around. I always think of J James and Jude because they both wrote a book of the Bible. You know. 
But Jesus is called a good shepherd because he, I had to mention that because she was a virgin. And by the way, the reason why she had to be a virgin, huh, this will get you, because Adam was responsible, right? He was, he was created first. He was told, don't eat of this tree, right? And then he just, and he was supposed to protect his wife Eve, right? Snake comes along, starts talking to him, you know, talking to her, convincing her to eat of the fruit. The Bible says he was standing right alongside her because when she ate of the fruit, she turned and just turned to her husband. He was right there and he kept silent. God held Adam. If you read Romans and the other books, he held Adam accountable for the sin that came in the world. So stop. Oh, I had a, I had a guy in my church in Kansas who was always blaming women because it was their fault, sin came. I says, will you read your Bible? And I took him right to it and says, God holds Adam responsible as the head of his house. And the thing is, he was head of the house and yet they were co-equal. Because she was taken from his side, not his foot. Thank you. <laughs> he, he's held responsible, but they're co-equal because his arm is supposed to go around to protect her. Mm. Anyway. But sin... The sin gene, the sin, is passed down through the father, not through the mother, because of Adam. That's why Jesus is the second Adam, and Paul spends so much time beating on Adam. The second Adam came and redeemed the world, and he knew no sin. The first Adam, well, we know what he did. But sin was passed down, so God says, okay, Jesus has to be sinless. David says, I was born, conceived in sin. Why? Because his father and mother got together and he was created in the womb, right, by God. But he had that sin gene passed to him. But Jesus, when he was born, the, God the Father, through the Holy Spirit, is his father. He was conceived in uh, Mary without the sin gene because he was born out of holiness. This is why we need a virgin birth. Isn't that cool? Yes. And yet God the Father knew that, Adam, that Jesus needed a father in his life, so he picked out Joseph, who probably, if he would have been able to come to the throne, would have been the greatest king Israel ever had, besides Jesus. Because they were both descended from David, from different sons. Because, you know, David had all those kids. And when Jesus was born, Joseph claimed him as his own, and he gave him the kingship. It's so cool. So Jesus, he is the good shepherd, not only because he came as a humble birth, but because he, was, he gave his life for the sheep. He gave his life for you so you could be saved, so you could be forgiven, so you could have your sins taken away. Isn't that awesome news? You see, this is why we need to stand up for Jesus. You're going to love... 2019. I've been hearing different ones talk about 2019. I'm not too... I'm excited about 2019. It's going to be a year when we're going to focus on evangelizing our community. And it's going to be so much fun. And we already have... Um, all our cards came in the other day, so we all already have them. And we'll talk about that in January. But you're going to find, oh, that's really easy to do. I could even do it. 
Anybody can do it. It's going to be so much easy. You're going to love it. In fact, you're going to come on Christmas Eve. Timing's looking for it. She didn't think she was going to be able to have one of these. I didn't want to surprise her, but I'm going to let the, the, the surprise out. Christmas Eve service, everybody who every family that comes, not everybody who comes, every family that comes, because these are going to be used at Easter time, is going to get a copy of the Jesus movie. And you're, it's going to be our gift to you. On DVD, and there's actually extras on there that, you, that they've added too. And so you'll like that. And so everybody's going to get a new um, DVD of the Jesus movie. And so um, that's going to be our gift to everybody who comes on Christmas Eve at 5 o'clock. Um, don't forget, tonight is our Christmas program at 5 o'clock. And um, come with a good sense of humor. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, let's go to the next slide. What joy this message that the angels brought has given to all people. Then the angel said to them, this is bigger to see, right? Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Doesn't the message of salvation bring joy to those who are saved and those who will be saved? Let's go to the next one. But just like the shepherds, we must act upon the same message of joy. How does it end here? So it was. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. Oh, my friends, are we excited enough like these lowly shepherds? You see, humility will make you want to do something. Humility will change our attitudes. It'll take it from all about me to all about him. Are we humble enough to get excited to tell someone and be like these shepherds, let's go see what happened. Are we, are we so excited to tell people what happened? Because after they saw Jesus, they went out and told everyone, guess what we got to see tonight? We got to see the Messiah. See, that's what Christ means. Jesus Christ means Jesus Messiah. Christ is the Greek word, Messiah is the Hebrew word. Same thing. We got to see the Messiah tonight. Oh, it was so cool. <laughs> you know, the way it's Messiah all these years. He, he didn't come as a general. He didn't come as a king. We saw him as a baby. And guess where we saw him? Beth Israel Hospital? No! <laughs> we saw him over at Ishmael's motel. Ishmael's motel. Yeah, you know the innkeeper over there, Ishmael? Oh yeah, I know Ishmael. Yeah, you mean he? the baby was born in the hotel? No! No room, no room. What do you mean no room? Not for the Messiah? No! He was born out back in the manger. I mean the stable. What? The Messiah was born where? <laughs> yeah! Boy, is this going to be something. It's going to be interesting to see what happens when he grows up. Hmm. 33 years later, 
Jesus fulfilled his message, mission when he went to the cross so that we could be saved. Of course, Jesus knew three days later he was going to take up his life again. How cool is that? <laughs> and he didn't waste his time in those three days. He went down there to where Abraham was because he told the other thief that... Um, believed in him while he was dying. He said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. They went down to the paradise portion of hell. It doesn't exist anymore. Because right. everybody was there. He led the captive free. He took him to heaven. He went down there. He said, Abraham, look. It's, you know that guy you were waiting for? Look, it's me. And Abraham, oh, it's about time after all these years. <laughs> hey, Grandpa. And he wasn't talking about... He wasn't talking about um, Joseph's dad. He was talking about King David. Hey, Grandpa, look, it's me. Remember you saw me sitting at the right hand of God the Father? Oh, yeah. Wow, you're here. I've been waiting so long. <laughs> and Samuel probably would have looked at the boy. You know, if you could have just showed up a few years earlier. <laughs> And he led the captive free to glory and shut down paradise there because the Bible says that hell would increase its beyond measure. Yeah, its territory because so many would choose to go to hell instead of choose to go to heaven. Isn't that sad? Not only that, but Jesus, in those three days, he had another mission to do. Well, of course, no, he had to do, this was after his resurrection when he told Mary Magdalene, don't grab a hold of him yet. Because he had one more thing to do before he could see everybody. And they could touch him. He had to go sprinkle his blood on the mercy seat of God. The, the, the blood from the lamb spilt. He had to take it to heaven and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. You see, on the day of atonement, the high priest had to take the blood of the lamb that was shed and sprinkle it on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. But Jesus was going to the actual Holy of Holies in heaven and sprinkling it on God's throne for our redemption. Isn't that cool? He had a lot to do. Oh, by the way, before he did all that, he said, devil, come here. <laughs> he took the keys away from him and while he, he started turning around and he roundhouse kicked him in the head. Like Chuck Norris. Can you imagine Jesus lifting up those ropes? Why? Because the prophecy said he will bruise his heel, but he shall bruise his head. And that's why the devil has been so mad at us all these years. Because he's been, for 2,000 years now, he hasn't been able to get rid of that migraine. And he took the keys away from him that Adam gave up. And he's mine. And because of it, we're saved today. Oh, and he makes it so simple. Do we have to go knock on a hundred doors? Do we each have to raise a hundred thousand dollars to get into heaven? No. All we had to do is ask Jesus into our hearts. <sighs> Ask him to forgive us of our sins. 
<laughs> and, and he goes ahead and he writes our name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the Father looks at us and says, Hey, they're forgiven. Boom! With his gavel. And we're saved. And heaven is our home. And we become joint heirs with Christ. Isn't that cool? And the thing about Jesus, if you were the only one who needed to be saved, he would have died for you. He would have died for you. The thing about being humble, the thing about being humble is that we will listen to what he says to us. Amen? We will listen to what he says to us. Our good shepherd. Let us pray. Oh, Lord Jesus. What a great message. And Lord, I forgot to tell everybody, but I'll just do it in prayer here. The cool thing, Lord, about you is that when we humble ourselves and we ask you into our lives and we live for you, Lord, you fill our lives with joy. And Lord, joy is not just, it's not just happiness. It's not just contentment. But Lord, it, joy goes beyond all that, knowing that you are there by our side and we're going to get through what we're going through. Because your joy transcends all our emotions. And so Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for us and being our good shepherd. And thank you, Lord, for the examples you've given us in the scripture about how humility will help us to live for you. Lord, we want to see this country changed. The attitudes, the, the problems that we are having right now, Lord, the, the anger, the, the, just all the stuff. Lord, bring revival. Bring revival, I pray. Oh, we beg you, Lord. And start the work in our own lives, Lord Jesus. We're sorry we've waited so long to ask. We praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. By the way, is there any... Okay. You like to rededicate? Like cool. To rededicate. Anybody else like to rededicate? Hallelujah. Anybody just, cool. Anybody needs prayer because they're not feeling well today? <laughs> Hallelujah. And how about, how about anybody just needs prayer because they're kind of sad today? Okay. So everybody that I mentioned right now, you just come up right now. Come on up. We want to pray with you. I need Tim and I need Jason to help out here. <coughs> Praise God. I got two here who want to rededicate their lives. So just lift up your hands. <laughs> lift up your hands. Oh Lord Jesus. Say it. Oh Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. For saving me. For saving me. Thank you, Lord. Come on. 
Thank, Thank you, you, Lord. Lord. <laughs> Sorry. For cleansing me. For cleansing me. Thank you, Lord. Thank, Thank you, Lord. Lord. For living in my heart. For living in my heart. Even when I don't deserve it. Even when I don't deserve it. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for your love. And thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, I rededicate my life. Lord, I rededicate my life. Right now. Right now. To you. To you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord, I just want to... Lord Jesus... Touch them right now in Jesus' name. Bless them, I pray. And Lord, do a work in their lives and use them in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. And now we, we got people who need prayer for all sorts of things. Lord Jesus, touch Robin right now.